Hi everyone, I'm Paul Menig with Business Accelerants. Each session I bring you insights from business people as they deal with the seven forces and the eight drivers of value. This session we're going to talk about the magnetic force of attraction for customers and distribution channels. I have Alexandra Duaney Savidra here. She's founder of Sav Media that specializes in social media marketing specifically for multiple cultures, both Latin American and American, and I hear some European possibly as well. So welcome, Alexandra. Thank you. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what led up to you founding Sav Media? Well, I've been involved with social media since, um, since the very beginning, since my first Facebook page, since MySpace. And I was always so interested in how people connected on these platforms and communicated with one another. And so when this whole concept of brands communicating with, with individuals came about, I was thoroughly intrigued. So from a, I would say, a more personal hobby standpoint, I've been involved since the beginning. However, my background is in political science and more international law. So I moved away from that and I jumped into the private sector in about 2012. And I've been working in marketing and communication roles ever since. I started specializing from a professional standpoint in social media about two years ago. And... It's just an adventure absolutely every day with all of the platforms that we have now and all of the different ways that it is being used, being defined. It feels social is everything and everywhere. So understanding that, to communicate that to my clients to achieve their goals has been thrilling. It's, my, my wife is very much a, a people-oriented person and I often turn to her to get a better sense of why people you know, would do things, the emotional side of things. I'm an engineer, so I, I understand the logic really well. Mm -hmm. And after I've made an emotional decision, I can back it up with all my engineering logic. But trying to understand people is really tough. You mentioned the digital and social media. So everybody needs to have some sort of a sales and marketing strategy. And from what you've told me, digital strategy, which is more than social media, is, is there. And then social media is the, a small part of that. Mm -hmm. So where does social media fit in, especially for a small business? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I, I say is that it is very much complementary to what you have in terms of your website and your more traditional channels. Um, I, I don't personally look at social media as a standalone. It's a vehicle to keep pushing traffic to your website. And I focus and work with specifically small business owners. And so I would always say before you start thinking about what social media sh you should be on and how you should be using it, it's really looking back at your website and saying, is this as optimized as it can be? Because social media can only go so far in terms of pushing people to your website, but that's where you really convert the users. So I look at social media as a, a complementary platform and it is a great way to reach new audiences. The targeting capabilities that we have now are amazing. And there's also a lot of interesting things happening in terms of how to bring social into real world experiences and into real time. It's almost like we've done this boomerang where we come back now and we want to have more individual experiences. We want to have more appreciation for being in the moment. We sort of are coming now from this inundation of everything social media, all of these newsfeed posts and ads, and we're coming back to the individual again. So there's some interesting things happening there. But I would definitely tell small business owners, you have to have everything in order with your, per with your website before you can start with social that, media. That's really interesting because uh, 
uh, I'm a consultant, coach, I call myself a business accelerant, and I took a hard look at my website after listening to a presentation about uh, uh, websites and that the main purpose is to convert a client mm -hmm. uh, kind of thing. And I look at a hard look and, okay, my business website is more really about teaching somebody, it seems, rather than trying to convert somebody. So uh, that's interesting to say. So you almost gave me a sales and marketing funnel there. It's kind of starts with the social media, which directs somebody to a website, mm -hmm. which then directs somebody to some sort of an action. So. Um, so the social media is not to provide a creative outlet uh, for writing and video skills. Uh, it's to develop a brand and trust and convert people, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Maybe offer discounts to help. Uh, so I'm not sure you know, how it exactly fits compared to the print media and right. coupons on Groupon that my wife loves. Right. And, uh, snail mail <laughs> and, you know, TV ads and stuff that we turn Magazines. off the volume for all the yes, time. Yes, yeah. So where does, where does social media fit in in that process of getting a customer? Absolutely. So the, the way that I start with any client is sitting down and understanding three things. The first is, who is your target audience? The second is, and that can be multiple, it doesn't have to just be one, but having it clearly defined is key. The second is, where are they? And understanding that, and that involves a phase of research. And then the third is, what is your call to action? And for some businesses, it may be more than one call to action, but it's very important, again, to have those clearly defined. Is it one? Is it two? Is it three? I probably wouldn't go beyond three. Um, and, and that's really where it starts. I think where people make the mistake is when the biggest thing I hear is, oh, I need to be on all social media platforms. Absolutely not. That is low ROI. You're wasting a lot of effort, time, investment. You need to first step back and say, where is my target audience? Um, so we already know that there's a lot of stereotypes per platform, um, who they're most popular with. On Pinterest, you're going to find um, interior designers, moms. Um, you're going to find wedding planners. On LinkedIn, you're going to find career uh, people looking for career opportunities, B2B opportunities, much more professionally driven, corporate. Um, on Twitter, you're going to find authors, writers, journalists. Each platform plays a role in that. And then it's also understanding where are people looking for these. So for example, if I'm a restaurant, then I really need to understand what kind of restaurant I am. If I'm fine dining, I'm looking for a certain disposable income per year. Um, and I need to understand where those people are. Let's say that I women tend to be planners. I'm making some gross assumptions here. Uh, women tend to be planners. So I may look into um, targeting women who are planning for travel or planning in the area of where to go to dinner for date night, whatever interaction it is that I'm looking to, to target and understanding where are they going to do that. Dra travel blogs, for example. That's not necessarily considered social media, but that's perhaps where I should be focusing some of my efforts and understanding where are these travel bloggers getting some of their information. And so as you start doing these, these um, experiments and exercises about understanding your own target audience, then you decide what platforms you should be on. It should never be decide what platforms and then use them. Okay. I'm going to come back. To, but I have to say, I was talking with a, an older gentleman like myself, and he has a new girlfriend, and he was complaining that he was expected to make the 
uh, plans for the fifth oh, anniversary. Oh, there you go. Stuff. Things are Why changing. is it that the men are expected to do the anniversary ones yeah. and the women do everything else? Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> so you got into, you know, where is my customer and a little bit of who is my customer. I come across the terms profiling, mm -hmm. which, you know, the police say is bad and you're not allowed <laughs> to do that for legal purposes. Yes. Uh, then we have, my wife hates to be categorized. You know, we mm -hmm. did a disc assessment, for instance, recently, and she hates to be put into one category because she's, like you were saying, an individual, not mm -hmm. just something that, so those aren't the greatest of terms. Uh, marketing people often talk about, well, what's your avatar? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what's your persona for the people that you're looking for? Um, and in some of the, your prior material that we discussed, you talked about a social media brainstorm and the target audience. Mm -hmm. Are these all the same things? Uh, and, and how does a small business figure out who they are targeting? Yeah, absolutely. So they are all the same things. I think it's just the, the evolution of terminology. Um, and it's true, profiling to a certain degree is not something perhaps today that's widely used. Um, avatars is, is a, new, a newer term, but it is essentially the same thing. Um, with a lot of recent branding um, tactics I've seen you really developing with companies um, down to naming a person and saying, Hi, this is Martha. This is her problem on a daily basis. She's a stay-at-home mom and she needs this kind of product to help her with this. I mean, they get into the grain and then Martha represents a certain group of people that that company would be targeting, for example. And again, I think that's where the brainstorm comes into play is, while many people, and rightly so, work with agencies or freelancers to do their social media, it has to start internally because you know your brand better than anybody else. And the sad truth is, agencies and freelancers are most of the time not always going to go as deep as you as they should um, but they're also not going to be able to get to the depth that you can so I would say starting with an internal brainstorm to sit down and say what are our products who's using them who do we want to use them um, comparing those two is very important as well because you might want somebody to use it but you find that a completely different audience is using them so having that brainstorm internally to say and reflect on who are these people and where are they? And then the second phase is really that research of, okay, if we have our profiles built out, then we need to say which platforms are the strongest right now for stay-at-home mothers between a certain age range, um, where are they spending their time online? And again, I would, I would urge people not to stay close to it has to be a social media profile. Sometimes it's not, but social media will eventually come into play. I hope that answers the question. Yeah, no, and, and you mentioned one thing that I come across many, many times is one of the first things you said when you were identifying those people was something about what pain that they were experiencing mm -hmm. and so why they were buying a person's product. Mm -hmm. uh, and I find that a lot of people don't understand that emotional side of things when they talk about the sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. A lot of startups are engineers, people who think they have the greatest idea and they want to sell the idea rather than always understanding what is it the problem that they're solving. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. LinkedIn, good for B2B. Facebook, good for business to consumer, B2C. Mm -hmm. I was uh, hesitant when you said Twitter was for poets and, and something. <laughs> Writers, authors, journalists. Because mm. <laughs> I tweet every day uh, and then I copy it over onto my uh, website and I copy it to LinkedIn. So I do... Uh, 
two different brands, okay. Twitter and then LinkedIn, and, and they show up on my website as well. Maybe okay. That's not the good. So I've got a Vimeo channel, which this will be on. Okay. Uh, a YouTube channel as well, because it seems like Vimeo and YouTube are just a little different. Yes. Search optimization works better for YouTube, I think, yes. than Vimeo. This will be also an iTunes audio podcast. It'll be on, in order to get there, you have to have another RSS feed, so mm -hmm. SoundCloud. Google Plus, I've not done anything with, but it reports 450 million active users. You mentioned Pinterest. I like the way you, you, you described that. Mm -hmm. uh, Instagram, Tumblr, Flickr, Reddit, Snapchat, WhatsApp, Quora, Vine, Periscope, Biz Sugar, Stumble Upon, Delicious Dig, and So Fiber. overwhelming. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, and so I'm expecting that your social media brainstorm helps figure out kind of which of those are, if any, or multiples of them make sense. And, and and there must be information you have that others don't then that tells me demographically, okay, poets are on Twitter and, and career people are on LinkedIn. Where, where? The truth is there's no, I don't think that we have a secret sauce. Um, <laughs> I always tell people so many different people could do my job and, and that is true. Um, but I do bring, as being dedicated to this, I do bring a certain level of, of time commitment to the table, which sometimes that's what it comes down to. Because what people forget or they don't do because who has time for this on a monthly basis is the metrics. So yes, the brainstorm helps in identifying which of these so many ridiculous amount of platforms you should be on, but then comes also the testing. And it is very much A-B testing, whether you're A-B testing an advertisement or you're A-B testing an entire social media platform, that is the core and the strategy and the secret sauce, if you will, to making your social media work. Um, I go in at the end of every single month and I look at, and this is very important because people usually only do the first part, the vanity metrics, which is likes, engagement rate, which is comments, shares, things like that, mentions, who's talking about us out there. I use all of those vanity metrics. They're called vanity metrics because it's really First hard. I've heard that phrase yes. used for them. Yeah, <laughs> it's really hard to say, does this really matter to my bottom line? It's difficult to make that connection, but from a community standpoint, and you know, psychologists will go into it, they are important metrics. But the really important metric is the Google Analytics side of it and understanding the traffic to your website. I could be killing it, on my vanity metrics on Facebook and have a bunch of likes and some pretty good engagement. But if I'm not pushing that traffic over to my website where ideally you're converting your users to buy or become a client, whatever it is, then I'm failing somewhere and I'm spending a lot of energy on something that's not ultimately affecting my bottom line. And this is where too it comes into how do you measure the success of social media? It's all in that second bowl of um, of metrics with specific traffic to your website. So that, that return on investment um, uh, goes a, even a step further than the Google metrics because the Google metrics might tell you that, okay, they pressed a button to schedule a phone call with mm -hmm. you. Okay, the phone call was scheduled. Now, did the phone call happen? Right. How many phone calls did it take to actually get an order to close on something? And so there's some additional, and you know, I've I've seen some statistics that I'm being told that suggest I have to start with 400 names in order to get two people to actually buy something Yep. Uh, after X number of interactions with them. Yes, and I would say social media is even more brutal than that. I mean, again, what does it mean when a company has 
100,000 likes on their Facebook page. What does that really mean for their bottom line? And that's where the tracking is so important. And understanding your business and how you convert a user and figuring out how to put things in place to track that is going to be what helps you determine okay, well, you're posting right now the same thing on LinkedIn and Twitter. Maybe on Twitter, when you're looking at your metrics at the end of the month, or you're looking at your Google Analytics to see who's the top referral from social media to my website. If Twitter's not on there, then maybe you should consider not mm -hmm. wasting your time on Twitter. It's, it's questions like those that are gonna help people be more efficient and ultimately have a bigger impact. So, so you said something that I, I guess I didn't realize. So I, I do a tweet and I do put a uh, a link in there sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so my Google Analytics on my website would be able to tell me that it came from my tweet. Yes. And I'm like a lot of people that you're talking about, I don't look at exactly. my Google Analytics. Yes. Google <laughs> Analytics is key. Key. Okay. Yes. And most of it's free too. Yeah, it's totally <laughs> free. I For what I use for my clients, I don't pay for any of that. But I am very um, diligent about going in and checking. And there's so many other things that you could look at as well. I don't only look at social media um, referrals, but I also look at what were the top blog posts, what were the top landing page, because then that also full circle here dictates the kind of content I should probably be posting about. Okay, now tell me a little bit about landing page as opposed to your homepage on your website. The biggest thing you can do to upset a person <laughs> is lead them in the wrong direction than they, what they expected, right? So deceive them. If I'm on social media, I read a great title, and I see the call to action on the button says, buy now, and I go to the page, and it takes me to another article, and I cannot buy the product. I had clicked on that button saying, buy now, in whatever situation I'm in, with the intention to consider buying it, and you didn't take me to the buy page. So landing pages are really looking at when you pull someone in with whatever advertisement verbiage, whatever it is that you're trying to entice them to do, your landing page better do exactly what it is that you're enticing them to do. Because if you don't, psychologically, and I'm not a psychologist, but they tend to lose trust or they tend to, there's a slight annoyance factor that you're not giving them what it is you said. So, so if I offer a... Uh, a white paper mm -hmm. as some sort of a lead generation thing. Yes. And now that brings me to the website. I should have a specific con something specific within my website that takes them just to being able to download that uh, particular white paper, yes. not a bunch of other things. No. I, I would say the majority of people probably just link it to their white paper page because perhaps they don't have the capacity to create individual landing pages, but the best practice is to create individual landing pages so that the title of the white paper I'm talking about is at the top of the landing page, and then you have your form. You can still have a form there to say, okay, in order to download it, I need some information. Yeah. Great. But it's specific to that white paper. Okay. All right. It increases conversions. <laughs> okay. About how much time, effort, money should a company be spending? Let, let, this is something that, you know, you're familiar with restaurants, for instance, and you mentioned restaurants. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm a good restaurant with a couple million dollars a, a, a year in sales, got a staff of maybe 60 to 100 uh, people because there's, you know, so many shifts and other things that are going on with a restaurant and stuff. I don't know if I'm in quite the right number of uh, revenue dollars or something, but um, you know, what should I be doing as a restaurant maybe? 
uh, for kind of just a, a rule of thumb kind of thing? Is it uh, sixty dollars a month, or six hundred dollars, or six thousand, or? Again, this is all testing, and I and I hate to give blanket answers because it depends on the performance. I always start my clients unless they cannot meet that, and then we work with smaller budgets. But I always start my clients at. Um, $120 on Facebook and $120 on Instagram. And I do this because it, it allows me to run a month-long campaign to promote X, whatever it is I want to promote, and it also allows me to boost each and every one of my posts. This is my secret sauce. I boost each and every one of my posts, which means any time that I post on Facebook or Instagram, I'm actually putting money behind each post. Um, so I post a lot less, but my posts go a lot farther. And that is what I have found to be much more impactful. And I started 120 because I want to see which audiences work on a limited budget because I don't need to waste a lot of money doing that. I can be very lean and efficient. Um, I want to see which audiences work and I want to see which content resonates. Once I find winning formulas, and formulas always change, so I'm constantly going to be optimizing, but once I find some foundational winning formulas, then I can talk to them about how much to really boost that budget. Um, I work with even some medium-sized businesses right now, and I would say the most we spend monthly on social media advertising is $900. And I think beyond that, um, I, I, I don't know that I would be able to justify a much bigger budget than that across platforms. I got the impression that, to some extent, the client of yours should already have a list of something of people or something that they would be seeing on Facebook or something. Um, you know, I'm, I know I'm doing something right now to try to increase the number of connections I have on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. which is a bit separate from other things. Do you, do you assume that a restaurant um, that's doing something on Facebook already has a certain number of followers or not? Not necessarily. If it were if it were a new restaurant starting from zero, I would still say the same thing. I would start their advertising budget at $120 because we would also need to start their like campaign to have a month-over-month -month like campaign to get more likes to the page. But there's so many things you can, specifically to Facebook um, and Instagram, there's so many things you can do now with Facebook pixels are widely unused because people, I just don't think, understand them completely. But it's literally a piece of code, just a little snippet of code that you put on your website so that the code can track the type of people coming to your website. It does not give you individual data or anything like that. It creates profiles based on cookies, and this is getting <laughs> beyond my technical knowledge, but based on cookies, it creates profiles of the type of traffic that goes to your website. Then I can go into Facebook and it just consistently tracks it once you put that code on your website. I can go to Facebook and I can say, I want to create a lookalike audience. And this lookalike audience is going to take all of the information from people who have visited your website to reach new audiences. It's going to give you similar people with similar interests, demographics, whatever it is that they collect. And then I can start targeting my advertisements to those people with the assumption or hope that they are going to have some interest in what it is I'm talking about. So there are ways to, instead of starting from nothing and just advertising to the world, there are ways to start with some defined audiences. Another one that, again, widely unknown, is you can actually download your list of contacts on LinkedIn. Yep, and you can upload that into Facebook as an audience, and you can also create that as a lookalike audience. I want to take my entire LinkedIn database, and I'd like to create an audience that looks like these people 
et cetera, et cetera. Um, that also works to buff, buffer up your newsletter uh, when you first send it out. There's some little hacks there that can help. Okay, so you used a, 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 an old-fashioned word, advertisement. Yes. Okay, but what, I, what it occurred to me as you said that was, okay, I take what I learn in my um, uh, social media campaigns and other things, and now I use that to maybe direct for when I'm gonna buy Facebook ads on Google searches or something else along the way, which is kind of a different mm -hmm. step than your social media advertising, mm -hmm. right? Yes. No, and, and, and Google ads are, again, especially for a restaurant, that's pretty basic. Um, yeah. Understanding, you know, I, I would even say, I mean, me personally as a millennial, I definitely rely more when I'm planning travel specifically in restaurants, rely more on travel blogs or um, Yelp or TripAdvisor, things like that, then I do social media. Perhaps Instagram would be in there as well. But again, then understanding, okay, well then I probably as a restaurant maybe shouldn't be spending so much on Facebook but should be looking more at my Google advertisements. No, that, that's interesting because I've never seen Yelp listed as a social media platform, yet you just mentioned it as one of the first places you would go yeah. to check on something. Yeah, and that's why I say people really need to break down their barriers, especially today of what is social media, it, in a way it's everything, it touches everything. So understanding that and not pigeonholing yourself to check a social media box or, oh yeah, we need to be on Facebook, but, but why do you need to be on Facebook? I, because of my age and a bunch of people I know, I mean, I still see an awful lot of people who are stuck in their homes and they are still television as their primary mm -hmm. media mm -hmm. and, and talk about profiling or personas or avatars and stuff, you know, that's, people my age and older are still stuck in the 50s mm -hmm. with television all the mm -hmm. time. Whereas the millennials, you know, you have your cell phone and I have my iPad here and they're all out there all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, the way my son does things is very different. Uh, right. Everything gets ordered on Amazon. He said he actually, he had a, a pool that he got for our grandson mm -hmm. and he actually went to Fred Meyers and bought it. Oh, wow. instead of Instead of ordering it on Amazon Prime. He's up in Seattle. He could have gotten it in so an old hour. <laughs> yeah, it's, he used that term, old so school funny. kind of thing. By the way, those numbers that you mentioned mm -hmm. are not at all unreasonable mm -hmm. for the cost of doing sales and marketing yep. type things. I'm looking at some options where for my business I might have uh, people that I hire to make phone calls to a list and stuff. And, mm -hmm. you know, all of those systems, you know, that, that one I believe is like $120, $130 a week mm -hmm. uh, for people to make phone calls and I have to provide the list for them. So mm -hmm. the numbers you talk about are, you know, not unreasonable for mm -hmm. what it takes and mm -hmm. there should be some reasonable uh, payback. How do you use social media for SAV Media itself? Yes, and this is so funny. The majority of... Um small to medium-sized agencies that you look at have the worst social media, which is just, it's, I mean, it's laughable, obviously. And it's because I do this all day long for everybody else. Um, I also have no time in a day like everybody else. Um, so it's not something that is my priority. I, I personally am using it, I would say, more than perhaps the average freelancer in my position with their own company. Um, but I'm definitely not maximizing it to its fullest potential. Um, and that's because right at the moment, for example, and actually this is a, a good point to some of the things I've been arguing, 
is that I don't need new clients right at the moment, right this second. I don't need new clients. So me going and spinning my wheels to do social media, which in essence I should only be doing if I want to get a client at the end of it, would be a misuse of my time, for example. Oh, good point. Yeah, so right now you don't have a return yes. on investment, but later you might have a need to do it. Yes, and, and, and but then it also is important that I do have a presence on social media. I do keep it, you know, to the minimum. I do keep it active so that when I am ready to turn it on, I'm not starting from zero because that would be a lot harder. Um, but I wouldn't invest my time and, and any extreme strategies into it until I needed to really fill my pipeline for clients. One of the unique selling propositions, uh, I sometimes call it a value improvement proposition, a VIP, that you have for your business is you are bicultural. Yes. And so you've got business in South America mm -hmm. and, and Central America, Latin America, and business here. Mm -hmm. And of course, we know that the uh, population in the U.S. is changing con yes. considerably. So take a couple of minutes uh, yeah absolutely to talk about that so what I'm doing has been very interesting because you know I just kind of started saying well I, I am bilingual um, I've spent half of my life in, in um, Peru as well as in the United States um, I have you know a very international background from from that perspective a lot of my friends are from various countries in Latin America um, and it's just so important to notice and to reflect on how much of this Spanglish um, this Spanglish group of people is, is coming to light. Um, and, it, and it truly is kind of this third audience between, you know, Americans and Latin Americans. Um, so for example, Facebook now has a capability, a function that when you go to post on Facebook, you can actually make the same post in another language and it will show the post to the user based on their language settings. My question is in many cases, and I would argue that this applies to the majority of businesses, why wouldn't you post in Spanish if you already have the content in English? You're talking about the difference of a translator or some kind of translating function um, to then potentially reach an entirely new community. I mean, the studies they've done that show how much more apt people are when they're spoken to in their native language to convert is a case enough to say, okay, let's try for six months to post all of our content in Spanish as well and see if we reach those yeah. new audiences. I've, I've dealt a lot with Europeans and, and Asians, and, and just this morning I was rechecking a website for a, cl a client of mine. Uh, it was a Korean website, and I, I was reading it for a while, and I realized, oh, wait a minute, I didn't click the English version oh. of the website, <laughs> and so I went up and I noticed they had, you know, Spanish and French and, uh -huh. and English and and a couple of other Asian uh, languages and stuff. So yeah, very important in the world today. You don't know uh, what you're going to do. Yes. So we're almost out of time. Mm -hmm. In one minute, one minute or less, how would you summarize your business to a new client? I'm an organizer. I honestly feel that I am an organizer and accountability coach at the end of the day because everybody has the power research. You have the same Google tools that I do that are free to find out where your audience is, figure out where to reach them, and then you understand better than I do what your calls to action are. I give you a platform, um, which is my monthly con content calendar system that I use, to keep you organized, keep you efficient, and keep you honest about why you're doing what you're doing with social media to affect your bottom line. 
Great. That sounded like similar. I, I, somebody's mentioned to me. I keep a spreadsheet. You know, every you know this part of the month. This is what mm -hmm. I'm supposed to do. This part of the month. It's a project plan of sorts, yes. right? Yes. Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Thank you for having me. Thanks. It's been great. Take care. Thanks.